Hello, and welcome to another episode of Jobs to Journeys, a podcast about how people learn, grow, and find meaning in the workplace. My name is Gabe Gloga. Each week, I talk with my friend and co-host, Doug Weitz, about whatever topics we're wrestling with and try to help each other clarify these ideas and hopefully add a little knowledge and insight to the world of workplace learning. This week, we discuss New Year's retrospectives. It's that time of the year when we look back on what we did, what we learned, and how we've changed, then chart a course for the coming year. Doug and I dig into our own processes for doing this and talk about how to apply it in a professional setting. We also discuss every kid's favorite New Year's joke, how resolutions are a time capsule, the importance of mental hygiene, how to clear your mental RAM, the four stages of an annual retro, projects versus habits, how to climb the ladder of abstraction, and more. This podcast is brought to you by Cultivate Me, which helps people and organizations use their everyday work as a platform for growth, both as professionals and as people. If you're curious about any of the ideas we discuss on the show, or you just want to connect, you can always send an email to hello at cultivateme.xyz. We'd love to hear from you. And now, on to the show. Hello, Doug. Hello, Gabe. Happy New Year. Yeah, Happy New Year to you. We are into 2023. Yes, it feels like only a few days ago when I said, see you next year. <laughs> this is actually the first year my son is experimenting with that little mind game of being that like... classic line. Yeah. It was a year ago that we... <laughs> or it was, I haven't and I'm seen like, you no, since no. last year. Yeah, I'm like... And I had to actually clarify for him. I'm like, it's not... It wasn't a year ago. <laughs> It was last year. I like I, you're trying to make people feel like you're saying it's a year ago, but you can't actually say it's a year ago because it's not a year ago. No, <laughs> it's no, it's, ago. it's a nice little exercise in the mechanics of time language, you know? Yes, it's fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, this just gets it at, you know, what I think you and I both agree that um, playfulness is the best way to learn. For sure. Yeah. So um, we did, we, as a family, we always do our New Year's resolutions. And I have this document that's been going for five years now, which is word. pretty cool to look back at. Because it really like, I mean, the, the New Year's resolutions are such a perfect encapsulation of the age and mindset the person was at when they oh, wrote yeah. them or said oh, them. That's great. Um, just Perfect. But but the way we do it is on on New Year's Eve as part of the evening festivities because we have so much time to kill because <laughs> usually we go to bed at like eight <laughs> <laughs> and all of a sudden it's like oh I don't have to rush to have my snack and like oh I can brush my teeth in an hour you know it's like there's so much time it's insane so what we do is I pull out the resolutions from the year that was and we go through them for each person and say. Did you do this? You know, like, were you able to achieve this goal? Um, and it's cool because like nobody can say yes or no, except the person. Right. So you see them sort of negotiating with themselves and going, well, I did do that once, but like, I didn't No, I don't think you should check it off, you know? Oh, wow. Or like, yeah, I only did that a couple of times, but like, I feel like I overcame that on some level. Um, and so, yeah, you can check that one off. It's cool. It's a cool exercise. Oh, that's wonderful. I love then, that little rule that no one can say yes or no, except the person. Yeah. And so, so, so we do that part for each of the four of us, my wife and my two kids. And then, um, we go back to the first person and we, and I have like, uh, a new section open and I say, okay, I'm going to read off the ones that you didn't check. Tell me which of them you want to roll over and which of them are just not relevant anymore, you know, because mm -hmm. you've grown older and they're stupid, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and, you know, they roll over some, but you see them like really thinking about it. And it's not just them because they're kids. I mean, my wife and I also deeply think about what right, to roll right, over and right. what not to. And then um, once you've got the rolled over ones, then it's a matter of, okay, what do you want to add for this year? And there's this whole 
kind of conversation and negotiation around like how many is too many? Mm. Is it better to have just a few that you really believe in or to have so many that are some or some of which are low hanging fruit and you'll probably accomplish tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know, um, how do you navigate that? And there's no real right or wrong answer. It's just sort of, so everybody comes up with their lists and then we sort of talk about, are you excited about your list? And then we move on. And, and there's something like really beautiful about this um, looking back, assessing yourself in the present and then looking forward that it's a, it's just a wonderful annual ritual. It really is. It's so important to do as well, especially when you're in the rush hour of life, where mm-hmm. I think you and I are between, you know, family and work and all of that stuff. It's so easy to just keep going and going and going and going, you know, to pause, reflect, take stock and and kind of get oriented. You know, where are we yeah. now, in fact? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's so easy to continue operating on the mindset of where you were when you set certain goals, you know, um, and oftentimes I think we don't truly assess how we've grown or where we are in life until we have some sort of wake up call, whether that's, I mean, it's usually a negative thing, right? That kind of forces you to stop what you're doing and be like, oh, hang on, hold, holy cow. I guess I'm not 25 anymore. I can't. Right do that with my knees or, um, <laughs> you know, oh my gosh, he's 10 years old now. I, I can't pick him up anymore because it kills my lower back. He's <laughs> a much older kid than I, you know, I've been operating as though he's six or seven or, you know, whatever the sort of wake up call is. So I think it's fantastic to have, um, to, to have kind of preordained time and space carved out for that. And of course, this is, this is what tradition and ritual uh, have all, um, you know, evolved to provide for us in many ways. And I just feel like, so I did my annual ritual. I'm trying to get it to kind of a a family level ritual. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But it's like, it's like my Super Bowl. Like I just love this time (laughs) uh, of the year, especially between like Christmas and New Year's, whether you celebrate or not, like certainly in the Western world in America, but most everything just kind of shuts down, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and it comes at the end of the year. And there's all these additional sort of cultural markers um, that that support that sort of reflection, you know. Uh, and it's it's the perfect amount of time to in my at least for me. I mean, I was <laughs> I marvel at the efficiency of the ritual you just described, where it's like an hour or two on New Year's <laughs> Eve and you pull out a document. You know, for me, it's like a five day process at least. <laughs> you know, um, but I love uh, you know I love the way that you that you framed that of of kind of looking back and then looking forward. I tend to have. Um, kind of two additional stages on, on that, that have been tremendously beneficial for my mental health amongst many other things. So, you know, the first is kind of reflecting on the past year. And for me, like what lessons have I learned? A lot of that comes with, uh, you know, starts with just like, what were your goals and did you achieve them? Um, But it's, it's also a little bit broader, you know, like where did you, and there's all sorts of great uh, 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 questions out there for this, you know, like a lot of the sort of influencers in the productivity space are going to share the sort of year end retro questions, you know, what do I want to spend more time on in the coming year or Mm -hmm. what drained my energy this past year? And, um, you know, or like, what are the great moments and memories that I made this past year, you know, that really stand out to me. Anyway, there's all sorts of stuff you can do around that. And it's, and and it's great. Um, for, for me, it's mostly about like, how have I grown, you know? Uh, and then there's brainstorming and dreaming on the year to come. What do I want to accomplish? What do I want to change, do differently, that sort of thing. And then for me after that, it's like, okay, now let's plan on how to execute on those ideas. And this is a rabbit hole you can go way down, way too far. Mm-hmm. But for me, it certainly helps to, to say like, okay, if these are the five big things that I want to achieve, um, you know, what are some possible projects that I, that I could do 
that would move me towards those. And then also this one I've recently adopted, like what are the changes to my habits, my environment and my systems that I need to make that will help me achieve these goals? You know, because the projects are very sort of temporally bound, they're kind of deadline oriented, like you work on it and then it's done and then you put it away. And there's this other mode of, of being that is like the stuff you do every day, the way that you think, the physical stuff around you that either gets in your way or helps carve a channel towards what it is that you want. Um, so thinking about that is really important to me. And then like actually the next final kind of stage for me is like organizing my systems. And I, I have, I mean, I don't know how you manage your life, so to speak, like where's your to-do <laughs> list and all of that stuff. Um, but uh, my systems get like really kind of overgrown after a year. There's like mm-hmm. stale projects on there. There are like clunky aspects to my kind of to-do list or my calendaring rituals. And like, I need to clean the crud out. And, and it's just like, it's just hygiene, you know? Um, And there's, it's, it's so liberating and there's such a release of like emotional energy and, and, and mental um, pathos (laughs) that I get from like cleaning, having a, a, like a decluttered digital workspace in a way. Well, we were talking the other day, you and I about uh, Ram, like the metaphor of, of, of your sort of the things you you're doing and the things you believe in and the things you're, you're thinking about all the time um, and how there's a limit to like the Ram you have in terms of your energy and your, your enthusiasm for executing on what you care about. And when you reflect on kind of what was and you plan for what will be, Part of what happens, you know, you call it call it decluttering, but part of what happens is you sort of you look at the things that you plan to do from an, a different perspective than you made them from, <laughs> you know, like you wrote them a year ago. Mm. You were a different person a year ago. Right. I mean, of course, mm. if you're talking about an eight year old, you were like a completely different person. If you're talking about a 48 year old, you're a slightly different person, you know? I mean, sometimes you have huge year changes, but like for the most part, you're incrementally kind of evolving, you know? Um, But one of the things you do is you go, oh my God, like I know I wrote that a year ago, but honestly, if you told me I wrote that 15 years ago, I would have believed you. That seems so irrelevant to my current life. I don't care about that thing anymore or like, I can't believe I cared about it then, you know, and just but even though you sort of forgot about it, I mean, the way I'm talking about this, I'm implying like I forgot I even wrote it down. You didn't forget about it. I don't think like I think it was still in there and it was a program running in the background. Mm. And so it was taking up RAM, right, which was preventing the things you do care about from running as efficiently and effectively as they could be. So clearing out that, you know, sort of backroom stuff um, is so valuable. And the, the other thing I wanted to say about, um, I love how you talk about your, your systems and like how you're going to pull this off. Like for me, it's so much more ethereal or sort of like spiritual. Like it's not that these things that I'm writing down are specific things that I'm going to remember and do on Monday necessarily. I mean, some are, you know, some are like, you know, kayak at least a hundred times this year, whatever. Um, And I really go at trying to do that. And at the end of the year, I assess whether I did it. Great. But a lot of mine are much more like what I believe is that they're they're so deep and so beneath the surface of everything that I'm doing that I can write them down, say them out loud, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. And then they just sort of become the foundation for how I operate all year. Like I, I kind of forget about them on the surface. I don't remember they're there, but they're there, right? I'm sort of laying this nice soil down 
that everything else will kind of grow out of. I, I think you've hit on something very profound, which I've been thinking a lot about over the past year or so. And in one respect, I think what you're talking about is red car syndrome, right? In that you've, you've articulated something that is important to you mm-hmm. and it trains your training is maybe not quite the right word. It attunes your subconscious to then pay attention to it or to, or to seek it out in the world mm-hmm. as you go through life. In, in, in the same way that I've, I, I've, been, you know, I've been reflecting on the notion of, of prayer. And I think a lot of people um, demean prayer as this sort of childish wishing, you know, um, like, oh, Santa Claus, please bring me a BMX bike for Christmas, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it's quite the opposite, that it's actually a sort of ritualistic uh, a, a, a tune, attunement. Is that a word? <laughs> I a think tuning, so. A tuning into of what it is that's important to you, what it is that you care about, so that your subconscious can pay attention to it and notice and find opportunities in the world, in your life, to then seize upon and, and, and take advantage of, right? Um, it's, it's, I just keep coming back to, to, to tuning, uh, I've, you know, a couple of pianos here and they just got tuned. And that's, you know, when things are not quite in, in harmony, you, you tune them so that there's a, there's a sympathetic resonance, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and uh, what else is I going to say? Um, and, and I think, I guess along those lines, there is, there are, there are kind of maybe two modes, at least two modes of going after something, you know, one is the very sort of practical, tactical execution oriented, like here's a big thing that I want. How can I break that down into smaller things that are graspable and completable and start chipping away, right? And eating the elephant one bite at a time. And that's how big things get done. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of value and importance to that. There's, there's also that spiritual side of like, here's something important to me that I don't fully comprehend or, or that maybe I only comprehend at a surface level. And I want to, I want to ponder it. I want to savor it. I want to go through life for the next year with this pair of goggles on yes, and see how it looks different to me and see how it enriches me. And I think that's equally valuable. Let me give you an example of each from my actual New Year's resolution list. So one of them, so a very concrete one that I will easily be able to either check off or not check off. It'll be very clear whether I did it or didn't do it was that I want to host a silent dance party. Do you know about these? Yes. Where you put the headphones on. Yeah, and anyone is, who doesn't have headphones on is like, I've just entered an insane asylum. Yes, exactly. I yeah. think it is the coolest idea going. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm dying to host one of those. So I'm going to do that or I'm not. Right. And, <laughs> and on New Year's Eve, I will be able to go check that off or don't check that off. Like it won't be I won't have to think much about it. It'll be a fact. Right. But one of my other ones, and I think this is probably the most important one on my list is stop looking for credit and just be a mensch. Oh, so it's a good one. Obviously, you know what a mensch is. It's somebody who just like helps people out, does the right thing just because that's the kind of person they are. Right. Yeah. It's the Jewish version of like, he's a good guy. Yeah. And that's that's such a good guy. He's such a mensch. Of course, I want to be a a mensch. Like that's the kind of person I want to be remembered as. That's the kind of person I want to be. Right. But it's not not always easy. Mm. But I I do this thing and I don't want to go too far down the road with this, but I'll go a little down the road. I, I recognized about myself that I do this thing where like I will do something for somebody, mm-hmm. but I will make them feel so badly about the fact that I am doing it and how hard it is for me to do it to the point where like I'm not even doing something nice anymore, right? Mm. It's like the worst of all worlds. Like I don't get the credit for being a mensch. But I still do the thing and no one feels good about it. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the it's guilt is not worth the benefit that you're giving me. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so uh, I, you know, that's it's bullshit. Like, I got to stop that crap. Like, if I'm going to do something, I should just do it and do the best I can at it and be proud that I did it and feel good that I did it for someone else, right? Virtue is its own reward. Exactly. And not ask I, for credit and not ask for people to go, oh, my God, I, you know, I, I, I can't believe how hard that was. Incredible what you did. Like, no one's going to fucking say that, you know? Yeah. And I need to, like, accept that fact. Um, it's, a, it's a delicate dance. Not to go too far down a rabbit trail here, but, like, there is the, you know, the, the flip side of that, which is, you know, what if people start taking advantage of you? Right. Yeah. If they don't have a sense of or they're not they're not willing to spend the time to consider what it is that you had to go through in order to do that thing. And then they become ungrateful. And then, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, Doug will do it. He always, you know, he's such a he's such a mensch. He'll just do it. Just have him do it. You know. Yeah. But. Um, yeah. But, but that's, anyway, I, like you I, I can't digress. operate. You, you, you can't know, operate that- like you can't constantly be keeping score. Right. Right. The, right. the thing that brought to, that occurs to me of what we're talking about is the abstraction ladder. Right. It's it's you take a goal and it's in the middle and one direction is the how and the other direction is the why. Ah, I love that. Right. So for me to take this goal and break it down and okay, what are the projects who can you know, here's another question I've started asking myself, who can help me with this? Mm. Right. Which is a great way to just like build community and deepen relationships, you know, Um at least I'm telling myself that's what it is. We'll see how it works out <laughs> this year. <laughs> Dave's always asking for something. God, that guy. Anyway, um, right. That's the how is the like breaking down logically around how do I execute against this? But the, the, the deeper spiritual kind of reflection stuff is the why, you know? So like, why is it important for you to be a mensch? You right. know, and you don't have to get into this right now, but the, like, that's worth pondering. You've chosen this, this, object out in the distance as something worth pursuing. Why? Why is that yeah. worth it? And it's, you know, in like digging deeper into that, what does that tell you about yourself? What does that tell you about life? What does that tell you about the human condition? Like those are worthy of time. And I feel like we live in soapbox alert. I feel like we live in a, in a current moment in society where time spent doing that sort of thing is is not valued this sort of like relentless productivity and growth at all costs you know um if you were so smart why aren't you rich you know like this <laughs> this notion that like wisdom is not worth the pursuit if it doesn't lead to some sort of productive economic output you know um and i think that's a damn shame well the cool thing about being a mensch is that it captures all of it like it captures like can you fix that light bulb you know that light fixture that's been driving us all nuts for six months Mm. right which is very like concrete and productive and like achievement oriented Mm -hmm. but also just like you know uh, like my son just uh, sprained his ankle and he's on crutches and you know i'm just like hey hop on my back i'll carry you down the stairs right and so that's not really productive particularly but like it's a good thing that helps another person and doesn't, I don't know what, you know, sort of value comes out of that for me. Like, I don't know what I, what I get. Like, I certainly don't get any financial rewards from that, that act. Right. But like, it's clearly the right thing to do. And I feel great about myself doing it. And I know my son feels great about me. And I know my wife feels great about, you know, what I'm choosing to do. And, you know, that, that all, that's really valuable. I I mean, I, I I think you could go even deeper on that. Not that you are saying you don't want to, like, I, I think there, there are plenty of well-articulated reasons for doing that, that aren't immediately apparent on, on the surface, you know, one of them being that you're uh, uh, first of all, you're building the bond between you and your son, right? Like you're doing an act of kindness that benefits him. He develops a little bit of gratitude and that further builds that, you know, that bond. I think uh, another one is that you're modeling um, generosity and service to your son. And he's going to remember, I remember my dad, you know, when my ankle was hurting, my dad would carry me down the stairs. 
on my back. And so when he sees somebody that's, you know, got a sprained ankle or something like that and puts them on her back or some sort of similar act of kindness, like he's drawing on that memory that, that you're creating for him. And I mean, is there any more noble and necessary pursuit than, than creating human beings, right. That have the the right sense of, of, of values to go out in the world and, and live those values that make the world a better place. And so that small, simple act that is easy for us to kind of throw away as like, hop on my back, buddy. We're just screwing around, you know, no big deal. I think actually has potentially profound ripple effects. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I think about the deeper levels of all these things all the time. But can we talk for a second about sort of the community aspect of, you know, back to the reflecting on the year that was and planning for the year that will be. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I described my scenario as like, it's me and my kids and my wife, and we all do it together out loud and we write them down and we look at them. And, you know, mm-hmm. I would argue that like that, that the difference between that and say doing them alone is night and day. Mm-hmm. Like it's a completely different thing to do something publicly and you know it's a small public but publicly in front of other people to make promises to yourself in front of other people versus making promises to yourself in the silence of your head yeah yeah Uh, i mean why do you think that is so i think the reason that it makes a difference is accountability. Like, I think it's, I think I I have come to believe, and who knows, maybe I will change my mind by the end of the year, but I've come to believe that motivation is everything. Like, you know, why you do something is, is all that matters in whether you do it or not. He who has a why can survive anyhow. Exactly. And I believe that the key to motivation is a feeling of not wanting to let other people down. Hmm. And and I, I don't mean that in sort of a depressing way, like, oh, I don't want to let that. I, I mean it in just the most practical, realistic, accepting the truth about how human beings behave and why they operate the way they do sense. So like, I was talking to somebody the, yesterday at the coffee shop about this, some stranger who somehow we stumbled upon this um, within 10 minutes of talking, that there's this fork in the road, right? So we, you and I all the time use the gym metaphor, right? Mm-hmm. You promise yourself you're going to go to the gym, you know, twice a week for the year. And within two weeks, you're not going to the gym anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Versus you promise yourself in front of somebody else who's also going to meet you at the gym and you go to the gym the entire year. So why, like, where is that little moment where there's a fork in the road where you could go slightly left or slightly right, right? Like it's a super subtle difference that of course, when you go slightly left over the course of a year, you've gone so far left from if you had gone slightly right, Mm. you know, Like the path just completely changes. Um, The difference is in the first scenario, when you just say it to yourself, the only person, when you wake up from bed in the morning and you go, okay, I know I'm supposed to go to the gym today. I don't really feel like going to the gym. No one's going to know if I don't go. No one's going to know. I'm not going, right? It's so easy to let yourself down because you've learned like over the years, like you figure out how to live because nobody's perfect. Everybody's kind of a failure on some level. Right. And so you learn how to live with yourself. No, really. I mean, you have to learn how to live with the things about yourself that kind of suck, you know, and so you can deal with yourself failing again because you fail all the time. Right. But the person you try to put out to the rest of the people in the world is better than the person you see because you don't show them everything. You're 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 hijacking your inherent 
egotistical nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, I don't know if that's quite the right word, but that sense of keeping up appearances of wanting to m- manage and maintain your reputation. Right. I, I someone, I think it was Naval who said, you know, uh, uh, self-esteem is just the reputation you have with yourself. Um, mm. Oh, that's great. Which I think it's a great way to frame that. Uh I, I think another another benefit of doing it publicly of like of of I mean we're saying publicly you know externally right with with yeah. at least one other person um, is uh, is that it puts some constraints on your initial goals in a way well I, I guess I would I would think that it does so it's one if I'm sitting down to journal. And I want to get to these in a second. Also the kind of modalities of, of reflection, right? If I'm sitting down to journal, I'm going to come up with 57 things that I want to accomplish this year. Right. Mm-hmm. Cause it's just me typing. But if I'm talking about it with another person, I'm waiting to get their feedback on it. Um, and I know that I'm kind of quasi committing to it. I'm going to think a little bit more carefully in the first place about what I put out there that I want to do. So it's sort of a forcing function to kind of prioritize and temper, you know, the things that you commit yourself to. Right. Like how serious am I about this? Yeah. But, but that, so, so there's that moment, right. Where you're in. And, honest, and honestly, hang on. If honestly, like <laughs> if I went on about all 57 of my goals, like, my wife would get up and leave after 23. She'd be like, geez, how long well, do because, I have to listen to this stuff? You know, because she has to take a turn too. Right? That's right. That's I mean, right. that's part of it. Like that's you, right. you've got to, you've got to, you know, use your time wisely because you don't get an infinite amount of time with other people. You get an infinite yeah. amount of time with yourself, you know, yeah. like to the yeah. point of nausea, <laughs> but like, so, so you're laying in bed. I, uh, I know I'm supposed to go to the gym. I really don't feel like it. No one's going to know I'm not going, right? The difference between that and somebody else knowing and being expecting to meet you at the gym is not that you don't want to go, right? You still wake up in the morning, you go, supposed to go to the gym. I don't feel like it. But instead of being able to say, no one will know, you say, Gabe will know, (laughs) Yeah, right? Gabe will be there going, where the hell is Doug, you know? Um, and meanwhile, it probably took Gabe a lot of effort to get there too, right? And so I can't do that to him, right? I could easily do it to myself, but I can't do that to Gabe. And so I will go, right? And so that's that's why I think that's why I th- I think this this idea of doing things publicly like declaring and and this is by the way why i think social media is so successful frankly Mm. because it's all about sort of declaring things in front of other people whether anybody is looking at it or not who you know is you sort of Mm. pretend other people are looking at least and it gives you a way of going well i did say that on facebook i said that on instagram i said that on twitter kind of got to follow through with it now And that's a good thing. So like accepting the fact that you probably wouldn't do something if you're the only one who knew about it and embracing that and saying, why don't I just make sure I'm not the only one who knows about it? And then maybe I'll do it, right? I think is the most practical um, approach to actually getting shit done and following through on your promises to yourself. Yeah. So I, I want to cover two more things briefly, and then let's talk about how this relates to turning jobs into journeys, which is what this podcast is all about, right? So I, I think the modalities of like, if it's the end of the year, we've been talking about end of year, you know, reflections or retros, but I mean, this can happen at any time in the year. It can happen in any kind of um, uh, scale, right? Where it doesn't have to, it could be monthly, it could be weekly, it could be quarterly, Right. But the, the sort of pausing and reflecting to orient yourself on like, where am I now? How am I doing? Where should I go next? All of that stuff. Um, you know, I think there are two common modalities for doing that. One is journaling, which is to say writing things down. And the other is conversation, which is to say talking about it with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And I think both are valuable and both are in a, in a way sort of, I don't know, two sides of the same coin or the same thing in different modalities, whatever. I think the, certainly the value of journaling, you know, and writing is that you have to wrestle with your thoughts and articulate them. You have to find the right words. And by attempting to find the right words and, and, you know, and wrestling with that process, you, you increase the precision of the thing that you want to do. And that makes a big difference because when it's ambiguous or it's a sort of a general feeling, you're much less likely to, to follow through on it and, 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 and execute. Um, and, you know, you have to put the thoughts in the right order, right? Like, what are the components of this goal? How do I break them down? Which comes first, second, and third, if that even makes sense? Which parts are related to each other? And that, in my mind, is constructivist, right? It's like it's building your own mental model of this thing, this value, this goal, and how it relates to your world. And, and that's that's super important. That's a very... Um, uh, it's an orienting structure. It's like scaffolding on the building of, of the building. <laughs> What's another word for a building? Not the verb, the noun. The, oh. it's, it's scaffolding on the, the edifice of your goal or whatever. Yes, I don't know. Yes. Um, right. Uh, it, and, then there's, and then there's conversation, which is what you and I are doing right now. And there's, there's a lot of resonance there. There's you know, articulating your ideas. Like I have to choose the words and they have to come out of my mouth in a way that you can make sense of them. Um, but there's also this, this dialogue, right. Um, of asking and answering questions and, and phrasing things in the form of a question and, and, and hearing the answer and vice versa. And I think by kind of like what we talked about a second ago, by, by having to take turns, <laughs> it slows down your thought process a little bit more and you have to listen to what other people are saying, and you may have to take some feedback. And so being able to take that feedback with humility, with grace, um, is, is super important. And I think the best kind of journaling for me uh, is, is where I'm having a conversation with myself. I'm taking that kind of dialogue approach of asking myself questions and then trying to answer them. Um, and that's, I think, actually like a fundamental evolutionary neurological process in our brains that is that is the most natural mode of sense making for human beings right because you're able well it's empathy like you're able to put yourself in the shoes of someone listening to yourself and go what would they think about what i'm saying would it make sense to them would i come across as a blowhard would i come across as an idiot how would i come across and then you can kind of corrected. I mean, it's actually, I think, I think it might be the same part of the brain that I, I'm not positive. This is true. I'm obviously not a scientist, but I, I heard once that one of the things that separates us from the animals is that we were able to imagine the future, right? So we go, okay, if I go and try to, if I run out of the bushes and try to catch that deer, you know, I can imagine five different scenarios of how this will go, right? Mm. And so based on understanding the five different scenarios of how this will go and weighing the pros and cons and, you know, all that kind of stuff, I can make a more informed decision. Whereas an animal just goes, you know, um, and animals are typically better at it, right? That's what their bodies and brains are kind of trained to do is catch that deer. But they're not but we are overcoming our sort of physical non-attributes mm -hmm. <laughs> in, right. in that kind of arena and um, balancing it out with, the, with what we are able to do with our brains. So I think to your point of uh, imagining talking to someone else and imagining their reaction, that's kind of the same thing mm. because it helps us to be able to make better decisions but I think, you know, humility, uh, listening to feedback with humility and grace, like that's so big, you know, like being able to hear out loud what you say sounds like, what what you say sounds like, mm. and then he see how someone else receives it, processes it, and feels about it. 
helps you to understand like, how well do I do at this whole having a conversation with myself and imagining how other people will, will receive it. Right. Cause this is an actual person actually receiving it. And that's kind of how I expected them to receive it or like, Oh God, it, it turned out I was, that was a super offensive comment. I didn't uh, expect it to be super offensive. I obviously miscalculated, you know, how, how what I was saying was going to come across. Yeah. And I think even, even at a less dramatic scale, like the, one of the best responses I can get is I don't understand quite what you're saying. Could you say it in a yes. different way? Yes. Right. And now I'm like, Oh, okay. I guess I don't understand it as well as I thought. Let me try and hunt around for some different words uh, and well, see if, if that yeah, puts forces, a sharper point on it. It forces you to refine it, put a sharper point on it. It also forces you to sort of reassess and decide Am I willing to die on this hill? Like, do am I prepared to defend this? Or based on that person's comments, should my reaction be, you know what, you're right. That doesn't make any sense. And and you know, let it go. Yeah. Um, and that's great. Like that moment of of being forced to either, you know, buckle down and go, you're damn right, I'm gonna fight for this, mm. or this isn't worth fighting for, is invaluable. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it reminds me of, um, you know, that thing that happens where you're trying to find the answer to something you're, you know, there's, there's some document that you remember you created and you can't for you. How do I, you know, mute the recording of so like, where do I go in Slack to say, you know, and you can't figure it out. And you're like, I'll ask Doug. And then you go and you ask Doug and like, no sooner do the words leave your mouth to ask the question. <laughs> then the answer pops into your brain, you know, yep. and there's, it's like uh, Clay Christensen's phrase, right? Ans- uh, questions are a place in the mind where answers fit. And it's like, until we've clearly articulated the question, it's hard for us to really find the answer. And that's, I think, I mean, that to me is one of the best evidence, best pieces of evidence that conversation is this, this hardwired neurological process uh, for like orientation and discovery you know, for yeah. human beings. So, so how does any of this relate to turning jobs into journeys? You know, what, like w- when we think about personal growth and professional development within the workplace environment, w- w- how do we put this into practice? What should we tinker with? Well, so jobs into journeys is basically turn just to sort of capture that concept is the idea of making it so that the work you do every day has deeper meaning and develops you as a professional as a, and as a human being. Mm-hmm. It isn't just the job. Right. It is a journey, right? It's, it's you living your life, you know? Um, and so in, in order to constantly be growing and developing, and un- you have to have an understanding of yourself, right? You have to have an understanding of who you were. You have to have, have an understanding of who you are. You have to have an understanding of who you want to be. And reflection is a critical tool for that because reflection is the act of going, what just happened in my past, right? And it could be your recent past. It could be a year ago because you're reading your resolutions, but what happened then and what can I learn from that, right? So that's one act, one, and we call that the reflection, right? It's a tool in our, you know, our, our toolbox. Um, That alone is like, a critical tool in turning a job into journeys. So every Mm -hmm. time you come out of a meeting, sit down for five minutes and just go, okay, what the hell just happened in that meeting? Not Mm -hmm. necessarily the substance, but like the interactions between the people. How did I do at articulating my ideas? How did I do at hearing what other people had to say? How did I do at asking probing questions to understand things more deeply and push people to articulate their ideas more forcefully, you know? Mm -hmm. What happened in there? And did I, you know, did it go well? And if it go, went well, why did it go well? Let me, I want to understand why it went well. So it wasn't just, you know, a luck of the draw and I can actually reproduce this and have it go well again. Or if it didn't go so well, why didn't it go so well? Like, what did I say? What did I do? What did I not say? What did I not do that? caused it to not go particularly well, because if I know what that is, I can do something about it. Right. Yeah. So that would be, I think the first answer. What about, what do you think? Well, I think, um, I think doing an annual retro is just good, clean living. 
right? Like you should do it. And I, I keep coming back to this word of hygiene. You know, if you think of what you, if you think of your ways of working and your kind of mental models as a room and you never clean your room <laughs> and you come back to it a year later, you're like, someone else comes into that room. They're like, oh my God, this place is a pigsty and it stinks. Why haven't you cleaned it? You, know, like, you gotta, you, you, you have to do it. You gotta take out the trash. You gotta look at what's useful and not useful anymore. You gotta rearrange things. You know, like I, I do things a little bit differently now, and this needs to be over here because I'm always tripping over it. Like you need to do the same thing mentally for your mental space and for your systems of operating. You know, um, and it's 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 hard. It's hard to carve out that time when you're under constant pressure for some new project or some new deadline, right? And it, and it doesn't feel productive in uh-huh. the sort of revenue generating target hitting kind of sense, but it's critical. Well, you know what else helps you actually do it is if somebody else is going to visit your room, mm. right? Because like the room is like what I was talking about before. Like you learn to live with your own mess, you know, and your own failures and your own loserness, right? Which we all have. But in the same way that you learn to live with like that little pile of socks over in the corner and that and the things, you know, build in incre- incrementally. So it's not like you have a clean room and then one day you have a disgusting pigsty, right? You have levels of disgustingness until it's a disgusting pigsty. <laughs> well, right? and what, what happens when you're going to have guests over, right? Exactly. Oh, my God, right. I can't let them see the place like this. Mm-hmm. Clear off that table, that pile of garbage in the corner. We got to sort that out, you know, like all that stuff. So you're absolutely right. And one pattern that I've seen, and I think it's a great pattern, pattern trend, whatever, is is the sort of annual reflection blog post, right? Mm -hmm. You know, what I would call working out loud. And it doesn't have to be an annual reflection, but like at the end of every project uh, that you have or, or just when you feel like you've got some insight, like sit down, journal on it, articulate your thoughts, sharpen them turn it into some kind of post that you could put on LinkedIn or a personal blog or a tweet thread or something like that and just put it out there and see how people react to it, right? And some people might react in a way that says like, oh my God, I struggle with that too. And that's very refreshing. Fantastic. Yeah. I'm not as much of a loser as I thought I was, right? Um, uh, or I'm we not are alone. all not crazy or we're all losers. <laughs> and I, I think that's a great way to look at life, but yes. Uh, <laughs> And, and some of them might come back to, to our point and say, like, I don't really get what you're saying here. Oh, okay. I need to sharpen my language, right? And, 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 and become more precise. And that's a learning opportunity as well. And then, of course, you know, as far as your kind of professional journey or personal journey is concerned, like it's, it's courting serendipity. You never know who's going to come along and be like, ooh, this is a really thoughtful guy who's doing stuff in an area where I need some help with maybe he's looking for a, a career change or, or, you know, or, or, or whatever the case is, you know um, I, I just think it's a really powerful thing to do. I would also, I would argue that if you are a team leader of some kind um, doing this with your team is incredibly valuable, right? Cause you're setting, you're setting up everybody to, have to articulate and maybe write, but at least speak about their own thoughts and their own situation, looking back, looking at the present, looking forward uh, in front of other people, right? Which makes it more likely that they're going to be thoughtful about what they want to promise and follow through with those promises because other people know about them. It's also an opportunity as a team leader to show your people that you are one of them right? You are not above them it's living in this glass castle, right? You are one of them. You also, in looking back, you know, succeeded in some ways and failed in other ways. You also are an imperfect in the, pre- are imperfect in the present. And you also have things you want to achieve, things that they can probably relate to, right? Some of them are like, you know, sort of team leader oriented stuff that they're like, yeah, that's totally irrelevant for me. I'm not a team leader. But some of it is just like human stuff that they're going to go, oh, wow, he has trouble with that, too. <laughs> like, that's kind of cool. Like, I have trouble with that, like, lis- you know, listening as well as I could or whatever. Um, so I think it can be inc- an incredibly valuable tool for team leaders to use to unify the team. Yeah, I, I mean, I would 
I, I agree a hundred percent. And I, I would riff on it a little bit more as well to say that it's, it's a bonding experience. Mm-hmm. I mean, these are sensitive. These are, what's the word? Well, they're deeply uh, vulnerable, personal. They're vulnerable conversations. Yeah, yeah. Right? Uh, because you're evaluating things, you're judging things, and so you're exposing your values, right? You're saying what worked, what didn't. People are kind of ranking themselves or rating themselves. Did you achieve that goal or not? I don't feel I really did. Really? Because I think you did. Yeah. And maybe you should reevaluate, you know, your self-perception. I think maybe you're better than you think you are, you know? Um or, or you, you wrestle with each other on what priority, you know, what should we be doing next year? Well, I think it should be this. Well, I think it should be that. All right, let's sort that out, right? And so, again, it's this attunement, you know, um, uh, the, um, I, I used, to, well, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a drummer and I studied African drumming for, for a, a little while, many, many years ago. And from a musicological perspective, there's a fair amount of research on the, the, the purpose, function and health of having like these sort of village drumming and dancing sessions because it brings everybody together to literally march to the beat of the same drummer, right? Like you have mm. to create physical sound, sound waves that resonate in your body in unison. And then you have to move in unison to that. So like everybody comes together and sorts it out and does something together that works together, right? That coordinates and choreographs and, and, and orients people and it's and it and it removes a lot of anxiety and tension. And so I, I'm not recommending necessarily that you have a drumming circle with your team uh, <laughs> at the next annual meeting, but there is there is a, there's an analogy there, right? To getting aligned and getting in tune with each other. Yeah, getting in the same groove. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a really cool way to say it. Well, I think that's a great way to end this. This has been wonderful. I'm so glad we did this at the beginning of the new year. Um, yes. Something maybe we should do every year. I love it. I'm in. All right. Well, thanks, Doug. Happy New Year. Thank you, Gabe. Happy New Year to you. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Jobs to Journeys. I hope you found it fun and insightful. If you want to learn more about the Cultivate Me method of turning jobs into journeys, visit us on the web at cultivateme.xyz or send an email to hello at cultivateme.xyz. Be well, and I'll see you in the next episode.